Our culture is in a crisis, and the solution to that crisis is the gospel message. St. John's Seminary, the seminary of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, offers an online MA in pastoral ministry degree for anyone interested in receiving formation for ministry. This program helps students improve their knowledge of the Catholic intellectual tradition and develop practical skills for ministry. A studio with professional video, audio, and lighting equipment allows our students to have an enjoyable technological experience, a necessity for any online learning environment. Anyone who is working in and around the Roman Catholic Church in North America needs an education like this. There's no way you could get this kind of education anywhere than at a seminary. Our online Master of Arts in Pastoral Ministry offers you the chance to continue your education in ministry and designed to provide you with the knowledge, spiritual formation, and practical skills that you need to serve the family of God in our parishes, schools, and other ministries. By grounding yourself in the intellectual tradition of the Catholic Church, you will be able to go out into this culture and leaven it with the good news. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is a returning guest, Dr. Patrick Fletcher, who is a senior advisor for theology and social doctrine at the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Dr. Fletcher joined me just a few months ago. We had a conversation about three documents that have re- come out recently, one from the Vatican, one from the Canadian bishops, and one from the U.S. bishops. And all three of those documents talked about the same general issue, what do we do with the body after it dies? Uh, cremation, is that acceptable? Elect- uh, alkaline hydrolysis, etc. It's a wonderful conversation. And then just a couple of weeks ago, the Vatican uh, released another document um, they got a little bit of headlines, but um, uh, hasn't gotten too much commentary on it, at least what, from what I've seen. So as soon as I saw that, I wanted that, that this document came out. Uh, I wanted to have Dr. Fletcher back on to hear his opinion on the document. It's a strangely worded text. It's called Reply to His Eminence, Cardinal Matteo Maria Zuppi, Archbishop of Bologna, Regarding two questions about the preservation of the ashes of the deceased following cremation, and this is by the uh, Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, recently changed its name. It was the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. First of all, Dr. Fletcher, uh, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. Thank you. So it's a short document. It's only about two pages. So I think that allows us to dig fairly deeply into it, hopefully, in yep. such a short time. And there's only two questions that are asked. There's a mm-hmm. little context that is provided, and then two very short, you know, less than a paragraph answers. Uh, and this, of course, uh, promulgated, uh, well, written uh, by the prefect, uh, Fernandez, and, of course, uh, approved by Pope Francis. Uh, first of all, let's just um, talk about the genesis of the document. As, as I yep. mentioned earlier, there have been several documents that have come out in the past few years. This seems to be a growing issue. Uh, what do we know about the genesis of this document? Why was it written and promulgated? Yeah, so um, good good question. Uh, the one that, that came out from the Holy See a while ago, I think it was 2017, that was uh, – Ad resurgendum cum Christo or on uh, rising with Christ, and that was a specific um, instruction that had gone out. It had been reviewed by Episcopal conferences in advance in draft form, and 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 they spent a lot of time working on that. That was a a statement that came out, and it's a pretty um, 
that's one genre of document. This genre is the genre of a, a response to a dubium or a, or a doubt or a question. And so all bishops have the right to pose doctrinal dubia or questions to the now the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, and they will eventually uh, get a response. Often they're confidential. They're not uh, issued publicly, and sometimes they're made public. Um, one of the uh, well-known ones that was made public was a dubium about the validity of Mormon baptism, which, because it's a pretty, um, it affects lots of different people, that was made public. But mostly they aren't. This one was, for whatever reason, we don't know why, but they chose to make it public. But um, So this is a sort of a, it, we're, we're getting a view into the communications between the dicastery and one bishop. Um, so the doctrinal sort of level of magisterium is not the same as the previous instruction, just to kind of clarify. But it is coming from the prefect of the DDF, so it's 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 uh, not to be ignored. Uh, my understanding is that uh, Cardinal uh, Zuppi was um, writing, I think in his capacity, he'd been involved in a group, uh, I guess within his, his, uh, his own archdiocese, to look at some of these questions. And so he wanted to get some clarity from the Holy See on these two specific questions, um, neither of which is specifically directly addressed in the that previous instruction at Resurgentum Cum Christo. So that's kind of the background of it. Why don't, as I said, there's only two questions. The questions yep. are short and the answers are short. So why don't we kind of just take this step by step? Why don't I yep. start with the first question and then I'll ask you some questions about the question before we get to the answer and then awesome. we'll move on to the answer. So just uh, quoting here from the text, question number one, mm-hmm. taking into account the canonical prohibition against scattering the ashes of the deceased, Mm -hmm. is it possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of the baptized, indicating the basic details of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names, similar to what occurs in ossuaries, where the mineralized remains of the deceased are cumulative, uh, cumulatively deposited and preserved. So on the one hand, a uh, pretty short question. On the other hand, my mm-hmm. high school English teacher's voice is ringing in my head that that's a run-on sentence. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but, but there's, some, uh, there's some things to unpack there, first of all. So yep. before we get to the answer, um, let's let's get to what this is asking specifically. So, uh, what technically is a quote defined and permanent sacred place? Um, I assume a cemetery counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But what else would be uh, defined as a permanent or sacred place? Well, I'm not a canonist and I'm not a cemetery professional, so I don't know. But normally the um most of the documents that talk about burial of remains, it has to be in a sacred place that's designated for that purpose. Usually it's a cemetery mausoleum uh, could be inside. A, if it's a, a bishop, it could be inside of a church. Um, so it would have to be, I think I would understand permanent sacred place to mean a place that's been officially designated as a place for mm. you know, the reception of human remains. You know, before we go on and ask, I ask some more of these specific questions, I, sh- I should just take a step back. I, I probably should ask this first. Can you just sort of paraphrase in your own words, what is that question asking? Yeah. So a little bit of background context, and this is something I didn't quite um, realize at first. The, earlier on in the, that very document, it talks about 
you know, people are wondering what to do with the ashes once the term for their preservation has expired. And when I first saw that, I thought, what the heck does that mean? Um, but it turns out in Europe anyway, and again, this is coming from the Italian, an Italian diocese. So in many parts of Europe, um, you know, some of these cemeteries are very old. Um, and there are actually leases on cemetery plots. So you don't, like in, in Canada, the United States, you generally get a perpetual sort of uh, grant on the on the cemetery plot. Nobody's going to dig up your, your grandpa and put somebody else there and resell the plot. But in many European countries, you get a 10, 50-year lease of the spot. So even mm. if it's a mausoleum, you've got the urn there with the ashes, but maybe it was put there 50 years ago. And now someone says, oh, your great-grandfather's ashes, you know, maybe you never even knew him, uh, they're going to get dumped. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> and you're oh. like, I don't want to spend any money on this, right? Uh, okay. So this becomes a, something of a pastoral issue because at some point, the you know, the descendants might not want to keep spending money on these things, uh, paying for a new lease. So then what do you do? Um, and the, one of the proposals is designating, I, th I think it's saying, could a cemetery have a permanent maybe it's made of i don't know you could imagine it made of stone or it's a special almost like a common grave area where you're not scattering the ashes but you're depositing them um maybe you're just even like pouring them into a rece another receptacle that would that would also include the ashes of other people but there'd still be a place for uh you know markers commemorating the names of the people whose remains were interred there so you're you'd still be uh uh, you know, one of the reasons for keeping the remains in a place, a particular place, is that people can remember them in their prayers. They can go there and pray. And so you'd still have that because you'd still have the names of the people written down. So it's asking, you know, we know you can't scatter the ashes, but could we sort of dump them all into a common ash grave, hmm. a cemetery or other sacred place that would allow to kind of resolve this this problem that, that sometimes happens of what to do with the ashes when, you know, they can't be left where they are. So this Partly is a European problem. Yeah. Yeah. This I didn't know this. I did not know this. So so there are leases to yeah graves. Yeah. Wow. Um, that opens a whole other set of questions. Do you, is this a common yeah. thing, or is this just in like northern I Italy? I don't or? know. No, I think it happens. I did a little bit of googling. I believe it happens in some other European countries as well. And I, I don't know specifically about the situation in in uh, Bologna. So I don't know, but I do know that it happens and. Um, wow. That they would just, if nothing happens, they'd have a common area and they would sort of just, uh, historically, they'd just take whatever bones were left and they'd dump them into this uh, kind of a common grave area where they dispose of that sort of stuff. And wow, then they'd wonder, sell the plot for someone else. I wonder what the sort of logic behind that is. That's that, hmm, wow. Limited real estate, I think, is the logic. Well, yeah, I guess. It'll, yeah, that's true. That's why everybody yeah. sort of came over here and immigrated over here is because there wasn't enough it was the, it, the cheap cemeteries that's why they came over to north america yeah okay wow all right good so um so we talked about um the defined and permanent sacred place another thing that i think needs unpacking uh again the text says is it possible to prepare a defined and permanent sacred place for the commingled accumulation and mm -hmm. preservation of the ashes of the baptized. What does that mean? The commingled accumulation and preservation. Yeah, so that just means that there's going to be the ashes of more than one person mixed together in the uh, in the place. Uh, by by yeah. accumulation, I assume that means they're not blowing away. This isn't like a they're not you're not just dumping them on a field or something like that. But it would mm -hmm. be a place that you know 
similar, like a, like a really, really big urn okay. for the ashes of many people. I mean, that's the way I imagine it, but, you know, maybe I'm being overly rational. I don't know. <laughs> and then it goes on and says, indicating the basic details of a person yeah. so as not to lose the memory of their names. What are the basic details of a, of a person? Again, you're, you're <laughs> this is not a, a high-level magisterial document, so there are these really ambiguous terms in it. I mean, I think first name, last name, date of birth, date of death, that's, that's what I think of. This type of thing you'd see on a, on a grave marker normally. Oh, so this is about, know. okay. All right, so the basic details are a grave marker. All right, so it doesn't that's, that's say what that I explicitly, think. but I, yeah, my, I was thinking like the basic details, meaning like, the skull and some oh, major bones. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, but if... Yeah, I mean, so there are places. So um, some some cemeteries, for example, have areas for the burial of unborn children who die before, uh, who died before birth, unborn children, very early gestation. And so they, they don't actually have um, preset plots. It's a kind of a common area and they'll just, the remains are incredibly small. So they'll just be buried. Uh, in a in a plotted out area and uh you don't really know exactly where they are but then they'll have a wall and it has the names that the parents gave to their children some sort of memorial to all the all the children that are buried there so that exists already um and so you have a sort of memorialization without it being like you don't know the exact plot but you just know that it's in this area here so i i sort of imagine it as something like that like there'd be an area where a lot of these remains are interred and then you'd have a wall or something uh, indicating who's actually, whose remains are there. Last question on the question before we get to the answer from mm-hmm. this, the DDF. It's probably going to take me 10 years to start calling the DDF. I still call it the CDF. Uh, but that's, that line just goes on. It says, indicating yeah. the basic details of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names. What does that mean, lose the memory of their names? Uh, I just assume it means, you know, by, just like with a normal grave marker tombstone, you've got the names on there so that we don't forget who's buried there and we can pray for them. That's, I'm wondering that's if that's all. just a clunky translation into English. I mean, nobody ever, in common English, nobody ever says lose the memory of their names. So maybe in, yeah. I, I don't know if it was written Italian or if it was written in Latin or what, but maybe yeah, it's I think a it's translation Italian. issue. Okay. All right, good. Well, let's move on to the answer and then just sort of uh, talk about that for a little bit. So the answer that the um, Cardinal of Bologna received was, let me just quote this here. Uh, well, first of all, it gives a little bit of context, which for the sake of time, uh, yeah. we're going to skip. It just says, sure. for this reason listed above, for the reasons listed above, yeah. some context, a defined and permanent sacred place can be set aside for the uh-huh. commingled accumulation and preservation of the ashes of deceased baptized persons, indicating the identity of each person so as not to lose the memory of their names. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, the sort of answer uh, or that, that the bishop uh, Cardinal got. Um, uh, so, so what? What, uh, what? Well, again, first of all, why don't you just sort of summarize in your own words? Yeah. What so that, what's that answer it just telling means us? yes. It just means yes to the question. <laughs> So, Basically. Okay, so it gives yes to the answer. Now, this is the sort of frustrating thing about short documents. It doesn't yep. provide uh, a theological or canonical canonical justification. It sort of leaves it us to up 
up to us to sort of figure out yeah why is the answer yes what 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 might be the <clears throat> logic behind it so right. now we're sort of entering I, I don't want to use the word speculation but we're sort of entering into trying to think through the logic so mm -hmm. can you help mm -hmm. us think through the logic of what what the answer is here yeah and again i'm not <clears throat> an expert on this uh the, the history of uh, of burial in in the early church but my understanding is that there are some um ossuaries and and uh kind of things of that nature in in uh some of the ancient, uh, so the cities where, where Christianity is very ancient, like Rome, where you've got bones of multiple people in one kind of box. So they're co-mingled together. Um, so I think, and it does mention something like that in the documents. So I think in terms of the tradition, um, there has never been a requirement that that each body have its own six by two foot, you know, plot. In fact, it's actually um, fairly common after a while to put a body in the same spot as another body and eventually the bones get mixed together and that sort of thing so it's not you know um, unheard of and i think that's sort of the precedent that is being uh, proposed here <clears throat> so you know you can have bones mixed together in an ossuary so you can have ashes mixed together in a in a in a special kind of a grave receptacle as long as they're you know you're still marked that you know who's who's buried there so if this is a practice that's happened in Christianity since the beginning, uh, I know you we talked earlier about sort of also the current practice in places like Italy and, and having sort of limited leases. I guess one question that comes to mind is why why would there be a question in the uh, Cardinal Zuppi's mind as to whether or not this is permitted? Um, because, yeah, you don't need to be a sort of expert historian in the history of Christianity to know that this is that this was has been a practice since the beginning. So I guess, mm. I guess I want to circle back to that original question. Then is why would Zupi pose this question if this is something that's been happening right. a long time? Uh, I I don't know enough about the Italian cemetery situation. I can okay. speculate if you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would speculate that that specific situation wasn't mentioned in the previous instruction, ad resurgendum cum Christo, and probably. There aren't any Catholic cemeteries in Italy that actually have these things. You know, it says that the, the cremated remains must be uh, interred in a sacred place, like a cemetery or mausoleum, but it doesn't say, but but I don't think there are these sort of common receptacles for cremated remains in any Catholic cemetery. So it's probably, you know, we have this idea to go ahead with this. Can we do it? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, seems to be yes. Uh, but as you said, like, what kind of a receptacle is this? What sort of mm -hmm. memorialization is there to make sure you don't lose the the memory of the people, who they are? Um, what's it going to look like that's not really spelled out? So mm -hmm. I guess this is an evolving practice. We'll see what happens. Why don't we go ahead and move on to the second question, which I think is probably <clears throat> of the two a little bit more... Um... Would, would just catch somebody's attention. So yep, yep. Uh, let's take the same process here. The question, quote, can a family be allowed to keep a portion of their family member's ashes in a place that is significant for the history of the deceased? Again, not a long question, but yeah. I think several things in there just need to be understood more clearly. Yeah. Um, so first of all, what does a portion mean? So again, can a family be allowed to keep a portion of their family member's ashes? Uh, again, I didn't look into the original language. Do we know what portion means? Are we talking? It just uh, says a part in Italian, una parte. So it's just, yeah. 
Okay. Some part. So of, it could yeah. be anything from a couple of ounces to 99% of the body? Well, is it... well the response does designate things a little more specifically. It says a minimal portion, but I mean, we can get there once okay, we get yeah. to the response. Sure. Yeah. So another thing I think it needs clarification says um, th that the portion of those ashes be, quote, in a place that is significant for the history of the deceased. Yes. Um, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh that yeah th this second one is is uh it it raises a lot of questions um yeah i don't know what it means and the text does not indicate anywhere what that might mean there's no examples given um i can you know guess like it, it sounds sort of like it, a, it it seems like it's implying you know something that was sort of sentimentally important to the person during their life or something Mm -hmm. But I don't, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I mean, it, it well, might be. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on to the answer and um, explore that okay. a little bit. This is yep, a little bit longer sure. than the first answer. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, quote, in addition, the ecclesiastical authority yep. in compliance with current civil norms may consider and evaluate a request by a family to preserve in an appropriate way a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place of significance for the history of the deceased person, provided that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out and also provided that the ashes of the deceased are kept in a sacred place. Uh, what, in your own words, does that mean? I don't know. Um, but, uh, no, well, so here's the thing. I, I think that the English is slightly, um, uh, misleading, okay. um, compared to the Italian. So the English seems to suggest, or it could be read as suggesting, um, you can keep a minimal part of the ashes in a particular place, as long as it's a sacred place. Mm -hmm. You could interpret it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. right? So, the main ashes would be interred at a sacred place, and the minimal portion would also be interred in a sacred place. And I've seen online some people, just in online discussion, some people in interpreting it that way. But the Italian, uh, if I just can just give you a quick Please. breakdown of the Italian, which it basically says, you know, further, uh, you know, assuming or, or given that, assuming that um, every type of uh, pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is excluded, and given that the uh, ashes of the deceased are conserved in a sacred place, comma. So given those two things, mm -hmm. the ecclesiastical authority with respect to, you know, civil norms can uh, take into consideration and evaluate the request from a family to uh, duly or carefully conserve a minimal part of the ashes of their relative in a place meaningful for this history of the deceased person. So mm -hmm. um, the sacred place is just referring to, I think it's pretty clear from the Italian, um, <clears throat> As long as you've you've got the ashes interred in a cemetery, let's say, or a mausoleum, you can take a tiny little bit and put it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's and that's, that's, somewhere else that's what I think is... it's saying. Okay, but, but it doesn't say there's there's absolutely no guidelines uh, given on like what types of places, how would they be stored, um, for, is there a time limit? Um, can the place change? Can you can you rotate it between different places? Can mm -hmm. can it be divided? What if there's more than one place? I mean, I guess it's so it seems to assume only one place, um, but 
you know, there are a lot of questions that come up that aren't really addressed. The only real um, criteria are that, and this is basically citing directly from Ad Resurgendum Cum Christo uh, number, uh, I forget which number it is. Anyway, but the the, the risk of, of avoiding the risk of nihilism, pantheism, and um, naturalism, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's just... So one thing, one uh, thing it says is that This just can't be done by the family. That it first of all has to be requested by the ecclesiastical authority. Yes, Um, and so I it doesn't say sort of what the the ecclesiastical authority would consider. uh, You know, or what what are the sort of criteria? I mean, Mm -hmm. again, it does mention certain basic criteria like. Uh, significant, a place of significance for the history of the deceased person, but right. it doesn't list, you know, what are um, some places that aren't um, uh, allowed, like, you know, your backyard, if, if they yep. lived in a yep. home for 50 years, if that's yep. a yep. backyard is relative, re- relevant. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah. It's, uh, it doesn't say whether this is indoors, outdoors, uh, what I, I would I would just point out that even ad resurgendum cum Christo the the instruction from a few years ago it, in number six it did leave open the possibility for so it so it says the conservation of the ashes of the departed in a domestic residence is not permitted but then it says only in grave and exceptional cases dependent on cultural conditions of a localized nature may the ordinary in agreement with the Episcopal Conference, blah, 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 concede permission for the conservation of the ashes of the departed in a domestic residence. Nonetheless, they may not be divided among various family members and due respect must be maintained. Da, da, da. So so even there, like it does say the bishop can uh, allow ashes to be kept in your house. Mm-hmm. All the ashes under certain mm-hmm. circumstances. Right. Now, grave and exceptional cases, I don't know what those would be. I could, I could imagine maybe one or two, but I don't know. Um, so it's not totally um, out of the blue, but what is out, sort of out of the blue is this idea that you're sort of splitting them up, which is not really envisioned mm-hmm. in um, in Address or Genum Cum Christo, other than it says uh, you can't scatter them and you can't preserve them in mementos, jewelry, or other objects. So I would assume yeah. that that would still hold. So yeah. this 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 minimal part of the ashes, you can't get it made into a, a, a piece of jewelry or something or mm-hmm. souvenir or something like that. One of the things we talked about in our previous conversation had to do with intention, specifically, uh, you know, cremation used to be prohibited in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But then the church sort of changed and said, OK, you can cremate as long as the intention is not a sort of I don't know the technical the, the exact language, but a desecration of the body. Yeah. The sort of, same sort of uh, idea of intention uh, arises in this answer, but it's not about sort of um, desecrating the body. It says, again, provided that every type of pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding is ruled out. Yeah. So what are those three, and, and what do those three have to do with uh, 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 these cremated remains, or just remains at all, whether they're cremated or yeah. not? Yeah. Um, again, I guess I could say I don't know. I mean, just you know, maybe for our listeners, pantheism is this idea that that, that sort of God is present in all things kind of equally. Um, and that everything's equally sort of sacred and holy and, and God's everything is God, basically, that, that mm-hmm. divinity is just everything. Um, naturalism is this sort of idea that, you know, there is no sort of God over and against nature, but just um, there's just nature. Um, 
And nihilism is, you know, this idea that everything's ultimately meaningless, that there's no final meaning to anything. So how you practically guarantee that there's going to be no misunderstanding on those three grounds, I I would want to be yeah. the bishop evaluating that request and having to yeah. figure out a way of, of assessing that. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you would do that. Having said that, I, I would presume that a bishop would only probably seriously take seriously request coming from somebody who was, you know, maybe practicing Catholic family and seemed to understand the faith well so that you could rule out those things. But in that case, what I struggle with is um, just understanding, because I don't, there's no examples given, is what mm-hmm. sort of pastoral situation would give rise to a request like this? Like, I can't really imagine any. Um, I could imagine perhaps a situation where um, maybe, well, this is something I read. I read uh, an article. People would put comments, and somebody was saying, "Well, what about a, a wealthy Catholic donor who, you know, really is a holy person, and and he's he's buried. Let's say he's cremated and he's buried, but he he contributed, you know, millions of dollars for this chapel on a university or something like that." And um, as a way of honoring him, they want to inter a tiny amount of his remains uh, in the chapel. You know, it's a sacred place. It's meaningful for his history. Um, you know, maybe this is an example of that. But I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a bit of a stretch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, because when I think of the problem, I think, well, if the families, if you've if you've ruled out all this, you know, pantheism, nihilism, naturalism, and and they fully understand the church teaching then like what why would they not be happy just visiting the you know the resting place where the ashes are interred? Yeah. like why do they need them in this other place like what what is it how is it helping them pastorally to mm-hmm. do that is is my question and i don't know maybe in some cases um the family resides in a different city from where the remains had to be interred mm-hmm. or something like that and i don't know but, and that just has to do with the misunderstanding of the family itself. That doesn't even safeguard against misunderstanding of the people who walk into the chapel and see that, right? They they don't know that this man, right, in your right. example, was a devout Catholic and a and a big donor. Um, right. But I, there, I'm still a little unclear, though. Just what do those three things have to do with um, taking a portion of the remains, right? So what does nihilism? What's the connection between a uh, nihilism and taking a portion of the remains? Like, how could how so, could in, in, go ahead? Yeah, no, I'll just read to you. This is actually number seven from Ad Resurgentum Cum Christo, and it says, "In order that every appearance of pantheism, naturalism, or nihilism be avoided." So this is basically directly cut and pasted from this document. It is not permitted to scatter the ashes of the faithful departed in the air, on land, at sea, or in some other way. Nor may they be preserved in mementos, pieces of jewelry, or other objects. Okay, so. The original context is when you scatter the ashes, that can be pantheism, naturalism, or nihilism. Pantheism, I guess God is everything, and you're just returning the ashes to the source of being from which they came, which is like the earth or something. Naturalism, because you don't believe in any resurrection, or you just, again, it's that eco sort of thing. And then nihilism, there's there's no meaning, everything's meaningless, so we're going to destroy the corpse and pulverize it into ashes and just scatter them because there's no meaning there's no resurrection there's no nothing um so what the original text was saying is that scattering can give the appearance of those things doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that the person doing it holds any of those philosophies but it can give that appearance and so 
I think we talked last time about how our actions are meant to, the appearance of our actions should reflect what we believe as Catholics. And so um, that's kind of uh, the idea there. You could, I suppose you could implicitly read into this, this new text then that what it's saying is, as long as they're not going to scatter the ashes or put them into jewelry or anything like that, maybe that's what's kind of meant by, you know, avoiding pantheistic, naturalistic, or nihilistic misunderstanding. I don't know. Let's just uh, take a step back and, and look at the text as a whole now. Just a few questions on on this, in your mind, sort of how this document does or does not change the, the ball game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just talk about the, 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 the sort of changes, I think, specifically in the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how would you characterize these changes? Are they sort of uh, fairly minor or radical, or, or how, how are you thinking about that? Uh, they have, I think in the second question, there's certainly the potential for this to be a pretty, I mean, fairly serious change, because up till now, you're not permitted to keep any portion of the remains of the deceased uh, anywhere except in the place where the total remains are interred. At least that's how I read um, the church documents so far. So this seems to open the door to um, families could say, yes, you know, our dad's buried in the, you know, whatever, diocesan cemetery, but we have a little bit of his remains at whatever, I don't know where, the cottage, uh, the football stadium that he loved so much, like, I, I don't know. Um, so that that seems to be a possibility. So that's, I think that's pretty significant. You could have, theoretically speaking, the remains of Catholic people who are faithful Catholics uh, and have a portion of them somewhere else kind of like used to happen with um well and still i mean to a certain degree happens with the relics of saints where you get you know portions uh distributed amongst different cities and that kind of thing so correct me if i'm wrong but what this to me what this document seems to do is it, it does change the rules again uh, whether they're they're radical changes or minor changes i think that's up for debate yeah. but the, the 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 main change is that yes you can separate the ashes Right. That's sort of the basic change. Whereas prior to this document, that was not permitted. Am I correct? I think so. Yeah. I mean, ad resurgendum cum Christo doesn't explicitly talk about dividing ashes, except except when they're kept in the home. It says they can't be divided amongst family members. It seems to presume when it says they have to be reserved in a sacred place that I think you can assume that they're not to be divided. So, yeah, I think that's the big thing. And just one other thing here. To be clear, this doesn't give blanket um, authorization. It simply says or an ordinary, like a bishop, may consider. So mm-hmm. a bishop's free to say, no, I don't take any requests for this. It just doesn't happen in my diocese ever. Right. And that's totally legitimate. He doesn't have to consider requests. He may. Um, and even if he did, well, I think that um, the big, my big question is what criteria would a bishop use to evaluate these requests? Because... I think there are a lot of questions that are opened up by this, so mm-hmm. maybe there'll be more more information in the future on this because it seems to be a little bit vague. Yeah. Well, so that leads to me to sort of, I've got two more questions. And, and the first one is, uh, yes, again, this is a short text, and you've just mentioned uh, some some things that aren't mentioned uh, in the text and that, and that you would expect a further document or documents coming out in the future. But I guess if you were to sit down with the DDF and you were to sort of say, here are some questions that 
I think we need answered. Yeah, what might be the two or three most important answers that you would want? Well, um, sort of along the lines of uh, make, making one of your three wishes, you know, wishing for more wishes, I, I would say. <laughs> well, if you, uh, yeah, five answers. I would say, no, I would say, you know, uh, what criteria <laughs> should be used to yeah. determine this, which, which in and of itself means that, you know, it's like give us all of the, but, but within that, like, uh, like I'll just throw out a few here. Like, how much is a minimal amount? You know, yeah. less than half, one uh, percent. Or what are we talking? Something that fits in a thimble, or something you know that fits in a cup? I don't know. Uh, what kind of vessel or or container do these do? It, do they need to be kept in a special kind of consecrated sort of uh, vessel of some type? Or, consecrated is the right word, but you know, um, can you just do you put them in a plastic bag? Like, what are we talking about here? Um, how dignified does it need to be? Does the place have to be a permanent place? Can they be moved around throughout mm. the year? Like, or does it have to be a fixed permanent place where they can't be moved? Um, is there a time limit for this? Like what happens if the family who's keeping the remains gets tired of it or they die? Yeah. Uh, then what happens? Um, and can we presume that scattering is ruled out? I think so, but it doesn't mention any containers. So it would be helpful if they would at least... Um, I think it's to be presumed that the, you're not going to be scattering these, but, um, you know, and are there any places that would be inappropriate? Mm -hmm. um, and also, what if more than one family member uh, wants to have some, or what if there are multiple places that are significant to the history of the person? Mm -hmm. You know, can you can you have it in two two other places, or can you, can you only do it once? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's a lot of questions. But... No, and, and and I think that's right, and certainly I, I think we should be fair to the DDF that we they wouldn't be able to provide a comprehensive list to every single question that this raised but right, i would also right. agree that this doesn't even begin to try to answer those questions and i would hope that the, the ddf would at least point us in a direction where we can begin to start answering i think in my opinion you sort of hit the nail on the head as to what questions continue to be uh remained that this text doesn't answer or even begin answering yeah um let me just ask one more question um and, and you kind of hinted at this earlier, sort of the pastoral intention. Um, how do we pastorally implement this? Well, thankfully, uh, you and I, not being bishops, don't have to do anything about this. <laughs> yeah, yet um, another reason why I'm glad I'm not a bishop. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say with respect to the first question, you know, if I were running a Catholic cemetery, I'd probably do a little bit of a market analysis and see, like, is the, is is offering a common a repository a common repository for ashes um as opposed to individual small mini plots for for cremated remains is that something that would be worth implementing or not you know because maybe it's something that you say well maybe that would be a, maybe there's a pastoral need for that maybe there isn't i don't know that's something that's you know cemeteries especially diocesan cemeteries in dialogue with their with their bishops could could look into i guess um the second one, yeah, we're, we don't really have to, so that's really up to bishops to evaluate those requests. But I think that it's, there's so many questions right now. I would be pretty surprised if very many bishops would be willing to touch this right now, uh, mm -hmm. just given the all the questions. Um, maybe maybe in very specific circumstances, if, if the family had a really clear plan that was mm -hmm. really exhaustive, then maybe a bishop would say, oh, okay, fine, you know. But I don't know. 
Well, and I agree with that, but and maybe I'm being a little bit cynical here. I'm, I'm, my knee-jerk reaction would be that 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 specification in the text that says that the um, the ecclesiastical authority may consider and evaluate the request is going to be ignored. And if you know, of course, how much do Catholics right. read these documents, anyways? But right. if they hear or know about this. They're just going to sort of take that as permission that they can just do whatever they want, that they can divide would never you know, grandpa, yeah, right. would just divide grandpa up four different ways and right. wouldn't right. even bother asking their bishop for permission. Right. And um, yeah. didn't I hear, didn't I read something about how this is okay now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sort of it passing in yeah. a, you know, a, a Catholic news article on, on your feed while you're, you know, sitting on the train and it took you two minutes to read it, and now you yeah. sort of feel you can you you you've got the ammunition to go ahead and do what it is that you wanted to do, anyways. Um, so, how much yeah. are bishops even going to be consulted in reality, anyways? Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, this type of you know division and and uh, sentimental disposition of, of of ashes is already happening anyway. Yeah. So I don't know that. Um, there'll be a huge change as a result of this necessarily. Um, I, I do. Yeah. I do sort of wonder, like, is it possible that you might see like, yeah, like maybe with Catholic institutions where uh, somebody who's the founder of a major institution, like a university or something or whatever, uh, you know, and, and there's been, there's some people look at, can we put a portion of the remains, you know, on some place on the campus or some, in some building somewhere that's that's connected to their life or something, but most prominent Catholics in, in history uh, are not cremated, so I don't know that this would necessarily really apply. But. Yeah, but of course, to be to be clear, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. The text doesn't even even specifically talk about cremation. I mean, in other words, this could be. It does say ashes. This could yeah. be just it says you know, ashes. especially in the in the case that you mentioned earlier, of uh, uh, somebody in Italy who died fifty years ago. They aren't they weren't cremated, but now fifty years later, their body is pretty much decomposed, and you could mm -hmm. put it in a, 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 a an urn, in a, you know, just just almost almost as small as a cremated urn. Yeah. So I mean, the the, the Italian text talks about of ceneri, which is ashes like burnt ashes so yeah, actually well at least in the english translation the title of it which again is an unfortunate title it does yeah. say ashes of the deceased yeah. following cremation so yeah that's in the italian but that is in the english yeah yeah no no yeah so, so I, guess I, I don't think it would apply right. to other people in fact i mean just a number i don't know five six seven years ago something like that there was a another uh, i think it was from the cdf at the time about the new regulations on the remains of saints and blesseds, and it basically says you are now no longer permitted to separate the remains of mm. a saint or blessed without explicit permission from the Holy See. Mm. So you can't take like the femur or the heart or whatever and, and sort of for veneration and, and, and separate it from the body without special mm. permission. So if that's the case, I, I can't see <laughs> you'd be doing it with just a, a regular Catholic who, who died. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right that this leaves a lot of questions. So who knows, maybe six months from now, I'll reach out to you again when some new document comes out. And we'll we'll be back here trying well, to hey, figure out go. exactly what the text is saying. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. And I, 
Yeah, it, it, it raised a lot of questions. And as, as we talked about at the beginning, this is a response to a question. So it's like, you know, you're, you're just hearing the, the tail end of a conversation, somebody else's conversation. And mm. it's not really meant to be a, an exhaustive uh, explanation of what, you know, everything. So yeah. it definitely leaves a lot of questions open. Um, and I suppose it entrusts what do you a lot think to the, the value of, of the that mission. is. Yes, go ahead. What do you think the value of that is? And by what I mean is, I mean, obviously, you and I have been sitting here for 45 minutes trying to answer a lot of questions. And, and part of the reason that we have these questions is precisely what you just said, that this is not a comprehensive uh, answer. You know, this right. is not a 300 page document. So part of me thinks, you know, the Vatican just needs to stop doing this. In other words, <laughs> if they're going to change rules, and I think there is at least one significant rule change here that they shouldn't just have a two-page document, that they should have a sort of 300-page text where they're right, they're giving right, us comprehensive right. answers, they're giving us criteria, et cetera. Yes, so, yes. I don't yeah. know what you think about that. Well, I think you have a point. I think that on the one hand, you could say that, well, ultimately what the second the response to the second question is doing is it's, it's empowering bishops um, to take, you know, to, and giving them the responsibility of, evaluating requests and trying to use their own pastoral judgment informed by the church's magisterium uh, because every pastoral situation is going to be different and it's leaving it to them. You could say, okay, well, that's, that's not so bad, maybe. But on the other hand, as you say, there, even if I, if I were a bishop, I put myself in the shoes of a bishop, I would still have a lot of questions like, well, what, because it's like you've, you've given me this authority, but you haven't actually really told me what the boundaries are. Yeah, you know, other than you know, pantheism, nihilism, and naturalism, which is pretty vague. So, like, I'd like you know, you'd wanna, you wouldn't wanna approve something that was wrong. So, if you're a bishop, you really, you really need more criteria in order to take on this, 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 this task of discerning these requests. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think more needs to come at some point. Well, when it does, we'll be right back here talking about it again, Doctor Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed this conversation again. Thank you. Take care. Our culture is in a crisis, and the solution to that crisis is the gospel message. St. John's Seminary, the seminary of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, offers an online MA in pastoral ministry degree for anyone interested in receiving formation for ministry. This program helps students improve their knowledge of the Catholic intellectual tradition and develop practical skills for ministry. A studio with professional video, audio, and lighting equipment allows our students to have an enjoyable technological experience, a necessity for any online learning environment. Anyone who is working in and around the Roman Catholic Church in North America needs an education like this. There's no way you could get this kind of education anywhere than at a seminary. Our online Master of Arts in Pastoral Ministry offers you the chance to continue your education in ministry and designed to provide you with the knowledge, spiritual formation, and practical skills that you need to serve the family of God in our parishes, schools, and other ministries. By grounding yourself in the intellectual tradition of the Catholic Church, you will be able to go out into this culture and leaven it with the good news.